listen to these riddles. Tell me if you interpret them as I do. What has yellow skin and rice? A ballpoint banana. Hello everyone and welcome to the newly revamped Rebirth Recap. If you've been around on this channel for a while, you know that this show has been around and uh, that's dead now. It's over. But now we're back and we have a new setup. We are going to be talking about the comics and what we thought of them as well as recapping them. You might notice that I'm saying we a bit. That's because I'm not alone. With me is the ever lovely Poppy Nacho. Say hi, Poppy. Hi, Poppy. So, what's going to happen in this show is that we're going to be discussing two weeks of comics every week, because we're getting a pretty late start on this. When we do finally catch up, we'll switch over to a bi-weekly schedule. But, as of now, we're going to start the whole way back at the beginning with week one and two of the Rebirth lineup from DC Comics. So, you ready to go, Pappy? Yep, let's do it. Alright, so, starting off the list, of course, we have to start with DC Universe Rebirth number one. Just so everyone knows, if you haven't read this, which means you're probably one of like three people in the world who hasn't, because that thing's in like its, what, seventh printing? Uh, something like that. Yeah. It sold like over 100,000, over 200,000, I think. Yeah, so you know, if, you, if you haven't read the story, you probably should read this story, because this is really the core of it, and... I'm going to be rushing through this pretty much because it's an 80-page story. It's a big-ass one. So, if you haven't read it, please read it. But uh, starting off with DC Universe Rebirth number one, the story opens up pretty much at the Batcave. There's a lightning storm going on, and Batman has discovered that there are three Jokers, which that's always going to be a good time. It kind of proves how uh, incompetent he's been throughout this, his entire oh, yeah. history. you think that would have been something he noticed over the past, like, five years or so, but whatever. Yeah, you think he would have noticed over the past, like, first two days that he fought the Joker, <laughs> but, okay. Uh, so lightning strikes in the Batcave, and who should appear but the long-forgotten original Wally West saying that he needs Bruce's help. So, immediately, fans jump for joy as soon as he makes an appearance. Wally says that Bruce remembered the letter, and then he disappears back into the Speed Force again. This is a constant thing that will be happening over the course of this comic. Then we get a recap of Wally West's history as The Flash, how he met Barry Allen, he got struck by lightning, he got speed powers, became Kid Flash, then Barry Allen died, and he became the new Flash. And things were super cool and awesome and great until one day, the new 52 Flashpoint happened. Oh boy. So then the comic just jumps around for a little bit and it goes through all these different heroes that basically we haven't seen much in the new 52. There's uh, Johnny Thunder being chased down in a retirement home while he goes to visit him. There's a uh, Saturn girl who's in police custody and apparently she wants to go see Superman. There's Ryan Choi and Ray Palmer the Atom, and he's got something going on, I don't even know what, he, he doesn't, he's one of the few who actually doesn't have a comic yet, so, 
Well, he'll, he'll appear in Justice League of America. Right. So that's where he's going to go. Yeah, that's second wave. Uh, we have Ted Cord and... I always pronounce his name wrong. Jaime Reyes? Reyes? Jaime. Jaime Reyes. 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 So yeah, that's... Yeah. Last name gets me. Uh, they're both Blue Beetle, the a team at this point. There's the original Doctor Fate, Ted Cord. We see... Damien as Robin, we see Jessica Cruz as Green Lantern, and we see uh, Jackson Hyde as Aqualath. So they're all doing their own things, jumping around, until finally we're left with Trinity, uh, or sorry, one of the Trinity, her name's Pandora, um, who started off basically the whole Flashpoint. She was the character that everyone's like, oh man, she's making appearances in all the 52 issues, and things are... Things are so gonna focus on her. She's gonna be so important to everything, and she explodes. So hold on a second, because when you say Trinity, you don't mean like Batman, Superman, Woman, Wonder Woman. You mean like the Trinity of Sin, which was yeah, that, yeah, uh, was that Phantom DC Stranger question and uh, yeah, and Pandora, right. and Pandora, yeah, yeah, but uh, and they did nothing with <laughs> all three characters. I, I have they were supposed to be important. I have the trades of Pandora's series. Phantom Stranger series and the like series of Trinity of Sin, and I have not read a single one of them. Well, well, you don't have to because nothing happens, <laughs> so it's fine. I mean, listen, I don't care about Pandora, I don't care about Phantom Stranger, but the question that was a harsh blow for me. And that was the one who didn't get a series, and he should have because he's one of the best DC, like the best small DC characters. Right. Uh, we see oh. that Darkseid has been reborn. Uh, to, uh, who's that, Grail? Uh, yeah, uh, to Wonder Woman's uh, opposite and equal. Right. So, now Darkseid the baby, which I'm sure will come back to be something. And then we cut to the area where the Superman of this universe, that's going to be important that it's this universe, the Superman, has died. And all the superheroes are around going, oh man, this sucks. And Wally's even watching them all saying, oh man, that, that sucks. Then we get Green Arrow and Black Canary, and Wally comments, Oh, well, those two used to know each other. Wonder why they don't in this universe. That's weird, and I'm sure they won't get together in this episode. And, you know, of note is the fact that this scene does not match up at all with the actual death of Superman uh, comic book that was going on at the same time. We're just, from the get-go, continuity goes crazy. Oh, yeah, of course. Can't have a change in continuity without messing everything up. Uh, then we cut to a motel where the Superman of the pre-Flashpoint universe, uh, he is in a motel with his wife Lois Lane and his son John, and he sees the death of Superman. He's like, oh, well, I, I, I better go do this. But he's stopped by a mysterious man named Mr. Oz. Then we cut to Aquaman, who proposes to his girlfriend, live-in queen, whatever, Mara, and Wally's like, oh, that's nice, there's love in this universe, I love love. So, what does he do? He goes back to the site of the death of Superman, and he finds Linda Park, his girlfriend from the, or no, actually wife, wife. Yeah. wife yeah, his wife from the, mother uh, of his children, uh, the universe that he came from, pre-Flashpoint, and so he appears to her in a big old strike of thunder, and he's like, Linda, my love, I, I, I'm here, you need only reach out and touch me, and everything will be great. And she goes, stranger danger, and Wally disappears again. So then Wally's flying around the Speed Force, and he's 
completely lost, especially since the woman he loves says, hey, I don't know you. So uh, we see a few flash forwards of things to come. We got Gotham and Gotham Girl waiting for their moment to shine. We got Swamp Thing and Constantine wandering around a swamp. Uh, Wally then goes to Captain Boomerang, Cyborg, Dick Grayson, all of them uh, not willing to help him because they don't know who he is. And then finally he sees the new Wally West, who is that, Iris's nephew, I think? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, the new Reverse Flash's son. He sees that that Wally West also has speed powers and that he pushes a woman out of the way of an oncoming car. And he's like, wow, this Wally West isn't that bad. I guess I'm okay with him taking on the mantle of Kid Flash. So once he comes to terms with that, he goes and he seeks out his old mentor, Barry Allen. And if you, if you haven't read this comic, just read it for like these like six pages. Because, dear God, they're the most heart-wrenching pages in all of comics. So he goes to Barry and he's like, oh, Barry, you don't remember me, but we, we were super close friends and now I'm going to disappear, but thank you for everything, Barry. Goodbye. And then at the last moment, Barry remembers who Wally is and he grabs Wally and he pulls him back into the real world and, oh, it's such a heartwarming moment. It, yeah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You have the feelings uh, of a rock. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, finally, Flash remembers the pre-Flashpoint universe and he's like, oh, well, geez, I messed everything up. And Wally's like, no, 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 Barry, it wasn't you. It was somebody who was watching us. And then cut back to the Batcave and Batman digs something out of a wall. A tiny, blood-soaked smiley face pin indicating that the Watchmen have entered the DC Universe. And then there's a short little epilogue with a watch being reassembled on Mars while they quote the last couple lines from Watchmen. It was basically uh, Wally West telling Jeff Johns, no, 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 Jeff, it wasn't you, it was Alan Moore. <laughs> he screwed everything else. <laughs> <laughs> he made shit dark, I don't like it. So this, this issue, I remember when I picked it up, I usually I grab my comics right before I head out to work. And this issue I left at like 9 in the morning right when my comic shop opened just so I could like start reading this. It definitely didn't disappoint. I'll give it that much. And and you you were lucky to do so because I was spoiled. Uh, oh, you were? Through Yeah, through numerous uh, internet channels Reddit. about what this issue was going to contain. Uh, Reddit, you know, everything, Twitter, everything. Right. Pages were flowing, bleeding cool. All the standard suspects, you know? Yeah. Well, see, it was weird because the other comic that I bought that day was... Um, because DC, once they started the Rebirth lineup, they really trimmed down on the amount of comics they were releasing each yeah. week. Uh, the other comic I picked up was the Scooby Apocalypse, number one. Oh, yeah, that, wow. That was definitely a uh, shift in quality. I'll give it that much. Was Scooby Apocalypse that good? Oh, yeah, no. It, wow. It, God, DC <laughs> Rebirth needs to take a Gotta. card from it. <laughs> Gotta read it, man. Um, you didn't pick up Justice League number fifty? No, see, I'm I'm with the entire new fifty two up to Rebirth. I do the trades for those. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so once that comes out in trade, I'll finally know how Superman died. Oh, okay. So yeah, you you'll get to be disappointed as, <laughs> like everybody else was. Yeah. To be fair, Superman 
hasn't had a good death since like pre-crisis or something. Yeah. Well, but he. Yeah. I, I personally like what's going on now. But uh, in regards to this comic, I mean, is there really that much you can say about it that hasn't already been said by like everybody? Uh. Well, I'll I'll, I'll say one thing. Uh, Kid Flash is wearing his Kid Flash costume, which is pretty weird. If he's at this point in his timeline, while well, it was supposed to be the Flash. Oh yeah. Good point. I didn't think about. I don't know if that's ever addressed ever. Uh, I'm. Well, I think somebody like, said something. I but... didn't. I haven't. Uh, I'm probably a terrible comic book fan, but I haven't read Jeff Johns' Flash Rebirth. Well, Jeff Johns didn't didn't write Flash. Rebirth. Oh, you mean like he's he's like uh, Barry Allen? Yeah, like ba- back in oh. the day, that Flash Rebirth. I did read it. I don't know if there's a link here about. I mean, Barry Allen obviously retook the mantle of Flash in that story. Wouldn't Wally West have? given up the mantle at that point no no oh yeah i know that for sure no he didn't uh what happened was uh while he asked barry much in the way that he does here in the last latter part he's like so what name do i take now mm-hmm. and of course barry says no you're still the flash because if he didn't say that then people would be really pissed and they would uh, moan and, and whine about it on the internet i mean it is what they do you know while it's like uh, everybody's fan favorite flash right the one they all love yeah, I mean, I, the thing was, I the most I had of The Flash in my life was um, from the Justice League animated series, and obviously that one is Wally West, but it's kind that of a great. it's kind of a mashup of a bunch of different Flashes at the same time. That one is one of my favorite versions of Wally West. Hmm. I like Wally when he's like in a group setting. Right. Yeah, because he... whenever he makes his jokes and all that that's where he really shines right and you get a lot of that in the group setting because when he's in in his solo series uh you know he has to be a balanced character and all that which i mean good for them for putting him in titans when we eventually get around to that because yeah he's always yeah. had someone to bounce off of yeah i mean abnet he's an all right writer but yeah but but while it was worked well right i'm gonna say i have i don't think i said if i like if i like this issue or not but uh I think it's pretty good. Uh, unlike most people, I didn't hate the New 52, so that wasn't like uh, the main reason why I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people thought it was good because of that, but I thought it was good because because of all like the the little kind of mysteries that it seeded. Oh yeah, definitely. It did a great job of setting up the universe moving forward. Yeah, and uh, the big mystery as well, of course, uh, Doctor Manhattan has come to the DC universe. Right. I actually glossed over it, but they said in there that uh, yeah, quote. But someone outside of time watched it all happen. Someone saw history unravel when Barry first created the Flashpoint. And when history was coming back together, they attacked. As our timelines reformed, someone stole 10 years from us. A decade was removed like a Jenga piece. And I don't know exactly how or why, but it changed everything. So, Dr. Manhattan, for some reason, or at least we, we believe that it's him that did it. I mean, everyone's basically come to that conclusion, but we don't have any proof of it yet. Uh, he stole... 10 years from the DC universe, thus removing all the friendships and love and everything, and everything's all grim, dark, and terrible, and... Well, that's the, well, that's the way they want to paint it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, that's not really how it was, but yeah. but, but now, now that's how it was. I mean, you look back at, um, at least the earlier issues of, was it Manipul's Flash that started off the yeah. New 52? I mean, that stuff was all super light and cheery and great. Yeah, I mean, the New 52 had a lot of, like, variety mm-hmm. but a lot of the books that were like cheery and stuff they got canceled like demon knights right 
Demon Knights was like a fun brawling type of like fantasy action adventure, but nobody bought it. So yeah, goodbye, in, Demon Knights. In that same sort of vein, uh, what was it? Yeah. Sword of Sorcery. Yeah, Sword and Sorcery. I know a couple of people who really love that book. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was great, and I didn't really expect to enjoy that, and sucked that it was canceled so early. Yeah, but you know, Rebirth is great now. Uh, so doesn't matter. Yeah, of course. All right, so moving on, I believe you take point on the next one, uh, Batman Rebirth number one. And this was one of my most uh, anticipated issues because it had two of my favorite writers, Scott Snyder and Tom King. And it was kind of underwhelming, to be honest. But uh, let's let's look into it, all right? All right. So it starts with uh, Alfred uh, cutting down the peaches, and they're going to come back at the end of the issue. And uh, Duke Thomas is there, and Duke Thomas... Uh, asks him well he doesn't ask him but he tells him i'm here about the offer they think so you get this idea that uh batman has made duke thomas an offer then you flash forward fast into a fight between batman and the calendar man calendar man is trying to release some type of spore batman is stopping him you know standard batman stuff you learn that batman has like an an electricity gadget in his suit which alfred can activate remotely which is pretty strange because it seems to hurt Batman as well, and so I don't think that's something that Bruce would let Alfred activate remotely. But that's what how it happened. So I mean, you have to you have to allow Alfred to do something in the story. Yeah, for sure. But I just think it's it's not like a, like a typical Batman move, mm. like that he would do that. And then we have like my favorite scene, which is like Bruce Wayne just working out shirtless <laughs> for no reason. And I know, like in a <laughs> on top of like a huge building uh-huh. with lift himself up with like one hand and I know a lot of people are whined about this scene because they were like well he's giving away that he's Batman right nobody else other than Batman could do this thing but Bruce Wayne is like a known daredevil who gets into accidents into like from like every single ski trip so this is like straight up his alley right this is what he would do and then we get a Batman and Duke kind of analyzing the calendar man just like pulling out a short profile then talking about what duke's role is going to be you don't really get a clear idea of like how he's going to play it mm-hmm. but uh you do get like a kind of a snippet of their relationship which is very kind of professional not at all like with the robins and then we get a scene of batman uh deactivating like the uh, calendar man's giant machine which is going to be used for something really bad. And, uh, of course, he exceeds expectations, and he actually does it. And Duke Thomas saves his life for the first time, I think. Well, second time after zero year. Yeah, but by saving his life, that's grabbing him and pulling him into the helicopter as he flies up at the speed of sound. Right, which is a good catch, because normally you, you wouldn't be able to catch something flying at the speed of sound. Yeah, but he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't, because he's uh, Duke Thomas. Yeah. Duke Thomas, the most important character in Batman for some reason. And then you get you get like a scene of uh, Calendar Man's rebirth, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've given him a new power, which is basically uh, he kind of dies really quickly as the seasons pass, and then gets reborn as uh, a new, better version of himself. And then uh, you get a homage to Year One which is basically Duke Thomas and Bruce Wayne kicking a giant tree. And then we get Alfred dropping some more food and feeding the bats, as they say. 
to circle this issue. Bring it all around into a cycle as the whole issue represents. Yeah, a cycle. This issue is a collection of really good scenes in my opinion. I'm not sure how I like it flowing all as like one collective, but each individual season, I guess, is really, really good. Uh, I kind of agree. I don't. I wouldn't go like so far as to say they're really good, but I would say that they're all pretty good scenes, right? Right. Especially the one with uh, Bruce Wayne working out. That one is just hilarious. Yeah. I mean that but, that one's hilarious for me though. The one that really stuck with me was um, when he's going to deactivate the spore. the spore machine. And you just have Duke counting down. I think it's just one splash page, actually. But you just see Duke yeah. counting how long he's been holding his breath as he's yeah, yeah. diving down underneath. And it's just, it's we're at 15 seconds, 48 seconds, 1 minute, 37 seconds. And it's like, wow, you get a feel for time passing all in one panel. which And is, it's ice cold water, too. Oh, that yeah. makes it more impressive. Because it's the winter season, I guess, at that point. I don't know. I, I thought I, I was expecting, like, a bigger bang from Batman Rebirth. Mm-hmm. I guess, which we didn't get here. We kind of got like this Loki story, and it's kind of unrelated so far to yeah, it, Tom King it, it, run. It definitely, the rest of the Rebirth titles that we're going to cover, they all pretty much roll right into whatever the first arc of that series is. But this one is really, really separated in regards to yeah. like everything else, which I guess if you don't want to give away that much, it's not a terrible thing, but... uh I kind of got the vibe that this was going to, uh, obviously it's setting up Duke Thomas more in Rebirth, which he does make appearances later on, but uh, I, I really got the vibe that it was setting up something that Calendar Man was a part of in the way of some sort of overarching arc. I don't think Calendar Man is like the big bad or anything. I think this is more like a, yeah, like a, it's trying to say something deeper about Batman, but I don't feel like the message kind of comes across as strong as it should have, mm-hmm. you know. Some, it's trying to say something about rebirth and recycling and you know everything, but but it doesn't really say say it. Right. And the art isn't isn't the best that Michael Dannon's ever done. So yeah. Well, yeah. So Batman Rebirth, good or like get it or just let it pass. Uh, I would I would say get it because even though the art isn't the best, it's still Michael Dannon, and uh, I don't know. It might it might prove to be like a lot more important, better than I'm giving credit. Uh, in the future like it might like have something that i haven't seen right uh, yeah for me it would definitely i mean i would say get it but i also think that when it comes to the rebirth series you should always end up getting the rebirth issues at least because it's setting the stage for everything else to come even if this one particularly doesn't have much to tie into i'll tell you one good thing about it that i like uh, more about this than the rest of the rebirth the rest of the rebirth issues they all have like a piece of it a part of them that are kind of recaps of the series so far or the character's life right and this one really doesn't this one just kind of launches into the story so i like that it's the same sort of thing that people say about the uh batman movies that nobody needs to see bruce wayne's parents die anymore everyone knows how it works everyone knows batman's story you don't need to get into who he is you just know he's batman all right so moving on uh we have green arrow rebirth Number one, I'll take charge on this one. Uh, it opens up with Oliver Queen having dinner with a Republican senator's daughter, and who she's completely disgusted by the fact that he's such a liberal pig. Ho, ho, ho. 
a social justice warrior. Yeah, right off the bat, I'm wondering how he even got the date, because it's not like he's hiding that at all. That's Well, that's why he's uh, Oliver Queen, you know? Like, that's his superpower. Yeah, he can just get dates with anyone he wants. He'll be using it on Black Canary within 20 pages. So, right. as he leaves, he sees a uh, mother and her child begging on the street, and she he hands the child a $100 bill, but... Mm, just as he walks away, the hundred dollar bill flies out of the hands of the kids and goes into the sewer. And as the mom goes to retrieve it, something pulls her down into the sewers. Cut to later that night, I believe, and a hooded figure is dragging the kid away. And who should intervene but Green Arrow, the social justice warrior. He jumps in and he grabs the kid and starts beating the crap out of the hooded figure, but the hooded figure is pretty good at fighting herself, and I say herself because it's actually Black Canary. She doesn't seem to have a problem with, like, uh, unrobing. So I don't know why she was wearing the hood, because she's not, like, she doesn't seem to be hiding from anybody. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, especially because after that, like, she's completely just flaunting the fact that she's Black Canary. Like, she's not trying to duck away or hide or whatever. She's like, yeah, let's just stand here and chat for a while. Continuing on, we have them go back to Oliver's apartment, get all cleaned up, and get that kid some clothes and whatever. Oliver ends up uh, shaving his beard down into the goatee that we know him so well for, which I'm sure plenty of fans were very happy about. Then we move on, and the kid says that the underground men are the one who took her mother, so they go out and they try to find who the underground men are, and they end up coming to a place called the Jungle, which apparently is in Seattle's forests, and it's just a giant homeless camp. So this entire time, Green Arrow, Black Canary are bickering, saying like, oh, you think you're doing good? You're, you're just a rich kid with issues. And so You're just a rocker chick. Shut up. So they end up uh, fighting and bickering, and finally the kid finds his dad, but then, just as they do, the underground men have arrived at the camp and they start stealing people away. Luckily, Green Arrow and Black Canary are there and they just start beating the crap out of them. And they interrogate, if that's the word you want to use, interrogate one of the underground men to find where their secret lair is. So they make their way to the secret lair as they start making up with one another, starting to build a nice little friendship. And as they get to the underground lair, they find that these people have been sold into, I guess, slavery by basically what looks like a Slender Man character to a bunch of masked men on screens. And there's also a nice little uh, Easter egg in there of a Court of Owls member. Oh, yeah. And they, uh, they're just selling these people into the slavery of whatever you want them to be used for. So they come in and they beat the crap out of everyone and then... Oliver gets up and tells all the men on the screens that uh, whatever this is, I'm going to stop you. Whoever you are, I'm going to hunt you down. That I promise. In the end, her and Black Canary are standing on top of a roof, and they're like, hey, so uh, you're pretty good. What's your name? Oh, I'm Diana Lance. I'm Oliver Queen. Maybe we should, like, totally date. Cool. Well, they, they don't date. That's not what they do. Yeah, well, they lean in for a kiss, and they get super up close and personal and I'm sure everybody wants them to date but we'll see what happens over the course of the next like 10 issues. So yeah, uh, Green Arrow Rebirth. I wasn't ever really a fan of Green Arrow. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I loved him again in the Justice League Unlimited series. It was great. This one, 
I definitely, it, it's the first time I wouldn't say I've cared for the Green Arrow character, but I've cared for his relationship with Black Canary. I see what you're saying. The relationship with Black Canary in Unlimited was always just sort of a, I mean, it, it had some depth to it, but it was more of uh, just a standard relationship, I guess. But this issue dives into like the issues between them and how they, how similar they are and how different they are. And I actually got a feel for why they actually have worked together. Because, again, terrible comic book fan, I've barely read anything pre-Flashpoint. So I don't know anything about their history before that. Uh, yeah, I know a, a, a bit more, probably. And uh, the thing that I have to say is that I already really loved Green Arrow. So I might be biased, like, coming into this issue. Yeah. I like Green Arrow more than I like the Flash. Like, that's... I'll put it that way. Wow. Uh, yeah, his 2000 series, I, I thought, like the volume, the entire volume that started in the year 2000, right. I thought it was just great, great all around. And this issue kind of uh, harkens back to it a little bit. And it has great art and it has an intriguing story, so I don't really need anything more than that to like a book. You know? Green Arrow, I would say buy it, obviously, just because it's a rebirth issue. You don't need to know anything really to get into it it's a perfect jumping on point so green lanterns which who boy this is it's everyone knows jeff johns run on green lantern and after that i think it was vendetti yeah it was vendetti vendetti and vengeance and kind of did their thing right so this one moves on uh, and it, it doesn't focus on the Hal Jordan story. It instead focuses on two somewhat newer lanterns. They were introduced prior to this issue, obviously, but two newer lanterns, uh, Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz, who they couldn't be more opposite, but now they have to be buddy cops. Uh, anyway, the issue opens up with a guardian running through space, and he has something, something new, in his creation and uh, he opens up the box and a superpower is unleashed on all the people who are chasing him so that's a thing we'll eventually get a resolution to then we see Simon Baz who's cleaning up some graffiti off of his sister's house because he is uh, one of the very few Muslim characters in DC Comics and people are always branding him as a terrorist because of his run-ins with the law throughout the years. Well, the the only prominent Muslim character, I think. I mean, possibly. I, I didn't want to make that claim, but it, it's entirely... I mean, well, right. well I, I just said prominent. So, right. You know, if, if you haven't heard of him, then <laughs> it's, not, it's not prominent. If we're not going to count the third tier... Yeah, if we're not going to count, like... Uh, kite Man. Kite Man, yeah, Kite Man's Muslim. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... A government agent comes and checks in with him, and he gets all pissed because he doesn't want to be a Green Arrow working for the U.S. government, or Green Lantern working for the U.S. government. Uh, but the agent's like, hey man, everything's cool, don't worry about it. And Simon then gets a alert on his ring, and he has to go fly off to chase it down. Meanwhile, Jessica Cruz is completely, I would say, afraid of being out in public. She hates crowds and she hates, you know, being around all these people and she's anxious pretty much all the time. But 
she's coming out because her sister's playing a soccer game and she wants to be there for her. And also, she got kicked out of her house. A football, a football game. Oh, a football game? It's yeah. in Oregon, and I thought that was like a soccer field, but yeah. No, that, that, no, that's what the sport is called. Oh, well, yeah, if we're talking international here, but they're in Oregon, so it's soccer, damn it. So yeah, she got kicked out of her house, and uh, she needs to now live with her sister for a little bit, when she also gets an alert on the ring that she picked up. So she flies off, and she's in the Arizona desert, and she sees a downed spacecraft along with Green Lantern Simon Baz. And the two immediately get along like best buddies, and they're definitely not arguing about who's the real Green Lantern here. That's right. And finally, the spaceship explodes, and who should come out but a Manhunter, who Simon's like, oh, don't worry, I'll take this. And he gets beat down. And then Jessica comes up and's like, oh, well, I can do it. And she gets beat down. And once they're both flat on their asses, the Manhunter deactivates, and it's revealed that it was all just a test by Hal Jordan, who's like, wow, you guys just suck at this. That's right. Moving on from that, uh, Hal Jordan tells them, look, you guys, you guys need to get along, get together if you guys are going to be protectors of Earth. I've got to go take care of some stuff in space because the rest of the Green Lantern Corps disappeared a while back. So give me your lanterns. And so they get out their power batteries, and he fuses them together somehow. Well, he's the greatest Green Lantern of all, so of course he can fuse them. Yeah, of course. It's just one of those things that as long as you're ranked number one, yeah. you can do whatever. That's pretty much how you're in a nutshell. Yeah. So uh, they now have to get along if they want to protect the Earth. They basically have to be partners, and they have to fight all the space crime on Earth together. But if they need any help, uh, the Justice League will be there to help them out since he's going to be off planet. And they're all they're all in their best uh, Justice League poses. Oh yeah, of course, with the uh, Wonder Woman ass and everything. Yeah, and the and the Batman standing on the gargoyle. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that that's how they just stand every time anyone visits the Watchtower. Well, anybody they need to impress, obviously. Yeah, like rookies. <laughs> so, uh, Hal Jordan flies off, and he's saying, "Oh, good luck. You guys are going to be fine." Meanwhile, we cut to the planet of dear God. I'm not going to pronounce this right. Ismalt, Ismalt, something like that. And we see that the narrator uh, from the beginning of the story, who was talking about that Guardian and his uh, new secret power that he will control, is actually Atrocitus, who is preparing for something called the Red Dawn, which I guess will bring the Red Lanterns to power across the universe. And that's, that's, where, that's where the first arc picks up with, with the Red Dawn. So yeah, this uh, issue... It's a lot, let me tell you something, it's a lot better than the rest of the series. Yeah, like, I, see, I was, I was so afraid that I'm, I'm the odd man out on this. I, I'm, I'm interested in their newest arc, the uh, Phantom Ring that started up just recently. I'm interested in that, and we'll get to it when it happens. But this first arc was just so slow, I could barely stand it. It wasn't terrible, but some of the dialogue, some of like the choices, some of the... the the way the story was structured was just bad. Yeah, it, my, my it biggest just... problem was that every single one of these uh, rebirth issues flows pretty well as a story. There's very little uh, 
backtracking on itself. But with the Green Lantern series, and we'll get into it as more issues come out, they spend like two, three pages at the beginning of every issue just going over the exact same thing. I'm Jessica Cruz. I'm afraid. Here's my partner, Simon Baz. He's angry all the time. We don't know That's if we right, should be yeah. lanterns. And I don't know why Simon is so angry, because he has never been this angry before. Like, this is completely new. I mean, it, I'm sure that it, as long as they're consistent with his character in the new continuity, I'll take whatever. And speaking of new continuity, we get Blees back from uh, Charles Soule's uh, Red Lanterns run. Yeah, that's, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I'm sure there's more Red Lanterns around. I think I've, later on issues you see more of them, but this just seems to show the three of uh, Atrocitus, Blees, and Dexstar. Who also didn't Dexstar die? Oh, everybody died. Like all of them died, and now they're back, and they're they're ignoring like everything that happened before. And I know that I know that there's a wacky explanation, and I know that they, they there was probably a Lord Fleece comic where they all came back to life. Of course, but it doesn't matter. They're ignoring everything good, and they're back. I mean, everyone. The Red Lanterns were popular enough to have their own series in the New Fifty Two, so. If you're doing Rebirth, which is bringing back what people love, and the Red Lanterns were possible, it's probably best to, you know, just let that happen. But, yeah, I kind of... But I would say, but, but I would say that Charles Soule took him to the new height, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. So to, to ignore the, his run is a mistake, in my opinion. Yeah, but, but yeah. I mean, we'll see what the writers do. They already finished up the first arc, and I have yet to catch up on the ending of that, so see what happens there. Uh, so, yeah, Green Lanterns, I would say... Like I said, for all Rebirth issues, go ahead and pick up this one. If the first arc doesn't grab you, then maybe wait until the Phantom Ring, because that one looks like it's going to be interesting. But, uh, yeah. And I would say this this issue is considerably better than the first arc, so I would say pick it up anyway. Right. It just looks good, and it, and it kind of feels good. Yeah. So. All right, so now back to you covering Superman Rebirth number one. Yep. And uh, this is kind of uh, the sequel... Well, not the sequel, but it kind of picks up from Rebirth. Like, essentially, from that conversation that you saw Superman and Lois Lane having in Rebirth about how Superman wanted to revive the old Superman. Right. And it starts, like, right in the middle of, of uh, Superman trying to do that. This is definitely a follow-up to uh, the Death of Superman storyline from just before Rebirth. Yeah, so that too. So there's, like, a lot of storylines that are following it. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, for clarity, I'm going to refer to the post-crisis Superman as Superman, and the other, and New 52 Superman as Clark Kent. Yeah, that's... Just, just for this story. It's going to get so confusing later on. Yeah, it's going to get so confusing. So Superman is standing, like, over... Not standing, he's floating over Clark Kent's grave, and he hears something, and it's Lana Lang. Electrical engineer, Lana Lang. Oh, yeah. How many pages does it take for her to mention that? Three? I'm not sure if she does, actually, but uh, we all know that she wants to say it. But she she is, uh, you know, using her skills there. So she's breaking into Clark's grave, and Superman kind of confronts her about that. And Lana Lang is like, well, I have more of a right to be here than you do. Because uh, we were actually friends. Like, you're just a complete stranger, basically. And she's right, of course. And then Superman tells her, well, you know, Clark Kent might not be dead. I have died before, and came back to life and we get a flashback which is the first of many flashbacks that I said we would have here on Rebirth uh, it's basically Superman fighting Doomsday 
and uh, the painted bead looks really good. Um, that's what I'm gonna say. Oh yeah, no, we get it. We we even get like a shot of the the Superman with the long hair and the and the black armor. Well, it's it's just bordering on his mullet years. Well, people say he didn't really have a mullet, but you know whatever it is, it looks great here. Mm -hmm. So. And you know you get a bit a bit of back and forth uh, between Clark and Lena, and eventually they decide to take him to the Fortress of Solitude, because uh, post-crisis Superman knows that the Fortress of Solitude should have a machine to revive him, and then they find that uh, it's not there. So this Superman never had it. Uh, the kind of dude that's smacking the machine that the other Superman had, but what he does have is a uh, really nice statues of his parents, of his Earth parents. Mm -hmm. And old Superman is kind of uh, surprised that he never he never thought of that of doing that, which just proves that New Fifty Two Superman is better, obviously. <laughs> like, uh, and then, uh, but Superman, but old Superman is like, not to be left defeated by New Fifty Two Superman. He's like, well, I'll make a statue of the old Superman, which will make which will make me even more compassionate and even more Superman like than the old than the new Superman. And so he does. And then. Uh, we will pick up on the on the on the future in action comics, but basically he decides here he decides here that he's probably gonna take back the mantle of Superman. Right. Because somebody needs to and the new fifty two Superman is not gonna come back. There is no machine No regeneration matrix, I think it's called. No. Yeah, that's exactly what's called. Yeah. I mean that I, I enjoyed this issue, but the uh, the one thing I need to say is in the art style department it's really good at, like, the doomsday fight scene and everything like that in the flashback. That stuff looks amazing. My problem I have with it is every once in a while, the facial features, especially on well, Superman... Well, that's a Mikey special. Yeah, it, it really... Uh, I think it's something about the eyes. It just really doesn't work. I, I like the art all around. Oh yeah. But uh I guess I don't notice those details. I I'm trying to look for the eyes now. It's like the very the very out. last panel in the entire issue when he's saying that all all that tomorrow is missing is Superman. Just something about that is just is, is eh. I yeah, I actually about that panel there's something weird going on with his mouth. Yeah. All these eyes for me though. I don't know. Some, it's it's they, it's something is just off about it, and it appears a few times throughout the issue, but when they get into the Superman Doomsday fight, that's where, like, all the art just really shines. I kind of, yeah, well, if we want to get into my opinion of this issue... Yeah, go ahead. I thought it was kind of great at the time, and I still kind of do, because it's the next natural step that this Superman would take. Like, it makes a lot of sense that he w the first thing he would think about would, would be, well, we can just bring this guy back to life, right? Because I did it. Why would it be? In comic books, it, it is pretty much... It's almost just like leaning on the fourth wall where it's just, yeah, you know, it's... I mean, how long can he really be dead for? But but not even that, right? Like, he had a machine... Like, the regeneration matrix was an actual thing. Mm -hmm. Matrix was an actual thing, so... There's no logical reason why he wouldn't try this. True. And it makes sense. And uh, the way he plays off Lana is pretty good. I think New 52 Lana was one of the best improvements of a character right. that you could have. I also I also did find the part where she said that she's an engineer. Oh, great. Yeah, very thorough, interesting devices you're using down here. I'm an engineer. I make things to do, help me do things. Right. Okay, Lana. 
did you read any of Lana in like post crisis? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, because let me tell you. The most I've really seen of Lana is there was a few. Uh, I have yet to catch up on Action Comics from New Fifty Two. I think she makes a few appearances there, and um, the new Superwoman comic she makes appearances in. I, I haven't really delved into New Superwoman, but uh, yeah, in post crisis, she's not that uh, great of a character. Yeah. Let's just say. But uh, here she's great, and the way they play off each other is great, and uh, I just kind of like this issue, even though not much happens. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a like a prologue to Superman, really. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the Superman comic, uh, I would say, focuses much more on his son and his relationship with his son than it does Superman itself. If anything, I'd say this is more of an action comics rebirth than Superman rebirth. Well, but the action comics is. It kind of has a different voice, so so it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, of course it, of course it would, because it's Dan Jurgens. Yeah. It kind of does serve, in my mind, as a prologue to Superman's relationship with his son, because we don't know at this point kind of who Superman is in at least in Peter Tomasi's eyes. Right. Like who the old Superman was, and here we get him. Like this is what this guy's about. Mm-hmm. Like you, you kind of get a sense of who he is. I think. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it, it's it's the one uh, comment he makes to Lana as they finally are going to bury Clark is, I just want you to know that two young Clark Kents on two very different wor- worlds were very lucky to have Lana Lang in our lives. It's those sort of right. little uh, hopeful comments that he makes that is like, okay, so this is a much more, I mean, hopeful Superman. He's not, you know as dark as the New 52 one was for a long time. Yeah, and you get the sense that this is a guy who doesn't fail. Mm -hmm. Because this is a guy who just came here expecting to bring somebody back from the dead. Like, it was nothing. Yeah. Like, that was his plan. Like, this is a guy who can do anything. And, you know, you say, when you think of Superman, there was a lot of stuff, like, surrounding the New 52 Superman. Uh, A lot of, like, people said of him, he can do the impossible, but this is a guy who actually expects to do it and has done it in many, many. Times. Yeah, he's done it for like at least twenty years in his time, pretty much. Yeah. So. Yeah, like he can do anything, and that's pretty cool, I think. So. Yeah. All right, so All right. Superman, pick it up. Yep. All right. So, uh, real quick, we're going to take a quick intermission. Uh, when we come back, there is going to be a giveaway, so make sure you come back. And I don't even know what the giveaway is. No, totally secret. You have to call me before. The show, what it is. We'll see everyone after the interview. sticking around throughout this uh we have a copy of batman the golden age volume one that's right 
Uh, mind you, this is not this is not the hardcover omnibus. This is the soft cover that has slightly fewer issues. But yeah, so uh, if you would like a chance at winning this, there's a link down in the description where you can go ahead and submit your name and all the information, and you will be entered to be randomly chosen to win this wonderful prize. You want to say which issues uh, that collection has? Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, let's see here. It, it collects Detective Comics 27 through 45, Batman 1 through 3, and the New York World's Fair Comics number 2. So just, just to give the viewers a little bit of what they can expect, that, that contains the first appearance of Batman, Robin, the Joker, Catwoman, Hugo Strange, and uh, the first uh, telling of uh, Batman's origin story. So, you know. Yeah. Really it, it's, there's a reason it's volume one and it's golden age. So yeah, if you're, uh, if you're interested in that, check out the description. But moving on, I have a question of the day for both you and the viewers. Yep. What was the best or your favorite part of the pre-birth New 52 era? That's, that's a good one. I like the how solid the main titles were uh, at the beginning, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman was good with Scott Snyder. You know, I don't think anybody uh, disputes that. Well, a few people, but it was good. Right. Uh, Action Comics was pretty good uh, with Grant Morrison and Rags Morales. Aquaman mm-hmm. was probably the best it's ever been with Jeff Johns and even Reyes. Right. Uh, Wonder Woman was... In my opinion, the best it's ever been. But I know, I mean, I like Greg Rocca a lot. It was, at the very least, really, really good. Mm-hmm. You know, to be fair. With Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang. Flash, Manipul and Buccellato was great. Right. Uh, Green Lantern with Jeff Johns. Just continuing that run. You know, I can talk a lot of shit about Hal Jordan, but <laughs> it's still it's still probably, like, the most famous, most iconic run of Green Lantern that there ever was, so... Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it, it was... That and Batman were some of the few that didn't get, like, a full reboot when the uh, Flashpoint ran around. Yeah. So, it may not have been... And I guess I'll say that's one of my favorite things about New 52 was that I, I started late into the post-Flashpoint continuity, but that's still where I started reading at. I went back and I got the trades for Batman number 1, Justice League number 1, Superman number 1, Action Comics. I went back and I read all those and it's what got me into dc comics enough to now be doing a podcast about them and in a way yeah that that did get me too although i had i had prior experience with like the cartoons and stuff like mm-hmm. well yeah is where i actually started where i actually yeah. started reading for for real and after that i kind of went back and i read a lot of the a lot of the old stuff a right. lot of the old stuff <laughs> yeah if you if you down in the comments, want to say what your favorite part is, dear viewers, then, by all means, love to hear it. He would love to hear it. As we've already covered, Nacho here has a heart of stone. He doesn't feel for Flash's return or your comments or anything. That's right. And I'm not going to get the, you know, the Golden Age trade, so yeah, I'm salty about that. <laughs> all right, so. All right. Start off, I believe you lead off with Action Comics number 957. That's right, I do. And in fact, uh, I remember reading this and thinking that 
uh, I was probably going to like his series more than Superman. And, you know, I was wrong about that, but yeah, at least the very first issue, I think, was one of the best. And it's still really good. It's not like it's... Yeah, well, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's a good series, but it kind of drags a bit, in my opinion. But let's right. get on with the first issue. Or the 957. We get from the get-go, uh, kind of a Jimmy, Maggie Sawyer scene. And uh, it's pretty good, because Maggie Sawyer's back. That's basically what the scene is about. It's about bringing Maggie Sawyer back. And then we get a scene of some hostages and some terrorists. And the lights go off and Superman appears. Except it's not Superman, it's Lex Luthor. Oh, shit. That's right. And Lex Luthor kicks their asses. He comes in and he's all like, well, I am Superman now. And then you get a flash of uh, Clark Kent. Well, Superman. (laughs) And his family. And they're unpacking and they're moving and they see Lex Luthor announce himself as Superman on TV. And and, uh, Superman cannot take this. He does not take this news well. Uh, immediately he shaves <laughs> in one of the funniest panels. And he suits up and he's like, uh, fuck this guy. This guy's not Superman. I'm Superman. And he kind of moves away. And I know a lot of people didn't like, uh, you know, Superman being pissed, so pissed on Lex Luthor because he doesn't have evidence. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that Lex Luthor can get into his skin. Oh, yeah. Because it makes, it makes a rivalry a lot more personal. And the things that post-crisis Lex Luthor did to him, like, uh, he killed a whole planet of Kryptonians. Like, his, his, Superman's entire race was basically murdered by, by Lex Luthor. So he's not exactly a good guy post-crisis. Yeah. I mean, he's not a good guy in New 52, too, but, but everybody has seemed to forget about the seems to forget that he went to prison and he tried to kill Superman, like, twice or thrice. Yeah, he's terrible, but ever since Forever Evil, it's been sort of a, well, is yeah. he actually doing good yeah. now? And apparently this this new super this uh, post-crisis Superman, he can't find any evidence that Lex Luthor was in jail, even though he was in jail for most of the new 52. <laughs> you know, great reporter. But anyway, Superman and Lex Luthor, basically, they get at it. They start fighting. Uh, Superman kind of starts a fight, kind of doesn't. And uh, in the middle of their fight, a new Clark Kent comes in. This is not the new 52 Clark Kent. This is just like a, a mystery Clark, Clark Kent. Uh, you know, like you would get in many of the pre-crisis comic books. And, you know, it would it would end up being uh, Bizarro or Mr. Mix's Pitalik. Yeah. Mix, yes, Pitalik. Uh, or, you know, any number of things. But it wouldn't be Superman. And I don't think this guy's Superman either. He's just uh, a clone or something. Well, he's also Anyways. asserting himself. I'm not Superman. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's Clark Kent either. That's what right. I should have said. We'll see. He's, but uh, we'll see, yeah. And then we get uh, Doomsday. And uh, we don't get much of Doomsday. I like that's a cliffhanger. Then mm-hmm. we get Doomsday. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if I was to say why I like this issue, it would be because it has everything that I think a Superman story should have. It has right. Superman, it has Lex Luthor, and it has a huge giant threat that's going to kill everybody. It's Doomsday. <laughs> Yeah. And it has like a, and it also has like a like a mystery, like you get the action, the action comics part of Superman because you want to see Superman do super stuff, right from the get go. But right. you also get a mystery in the form of the new Clark Kent, that basically means that Superman can't just punch punch the whole problem away, right? Like even if even if he was to defeat Lex Luthor in this issue and Doomsday in the next, which he should have, really in my opinion, he should have just beaten Doomsday. 
or found a way to stop him or something. Right. Uh, you know, there's still Clark Kent. So Sora's not over. So you get that sense of, well, what's going on here? Yeah. So that... For for me, Action Comics, as we'll get into as it progresses, it definitely... I never get a sense that, like, this story arc has wrapped up. It always seems to just flow naturally into the next story arc. And I think it should. For, for a good Superman story... It, like, it, it, the problem shouldn't just go away when Superman confronts it. Yeah. And that's how, that's how it works here. Uh, for for this one, I don't. I mean, I was pumped when I read it, but it's it's really quite interesting that they pulled out the big guns of Doomsday just so early on. I mean, this is the first issue of Action Comics, and just boom, right away, Doomsday. Yes. Um. But but then again, they were they were like uh, putting out the big guns in a lot of the books. You know, Atrocitus came in. True. In Green Lanterns. Uh, you got Black Canary and Green Arrow. You know they were just they were just trying to give you what you wanted to see, and yeah. I think in this issue it worked. It's it's the same way with the individual issues. The first couple of pages are what has to hook you in. They got to have some big right. event. So for the right. first couple of issues, they need to have something big to go. That's right, they do. So yeah, Action Comics, good. Yeah, good. Uh, well, this issue at least is is worth getting. Absolutely, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I I was definitely. I mean, I keep up with it, even though I'm not particularly... I didn't read it yet. I was keeping up with what was going on in the last days of Superman and everything. And the yeah. um, the Justice League on uh, the Dark Side War storyline. Yeah. If you weren't keeping up with this or with that, this might be a bit confusing to just jump into. But in general, it was still very understandable for a newcomer. That's right, yeah. And who doesn't know Superman and Lex Luthor, right? Who doesn't know that these guys uh, hate each other? Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's not its not some sort of, like, Batman v Superman scheme where it's not actually Superman versus Lex Luthor. It's Lex Luthor's plans to get him to verse someone else. This is actually toe-to-toe, the two of them fighting. <laughs> Batman v yeah. It's not a jar of piss yet. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> All right. So, Aquaman, Rebirth number one. This oh. issue is going to be so easy for me to go over because it's basically just another origin story. So, narrator is telling us all about, oh man, the oceans cover so much of the earth and there's one man who rules all the oceans. And who is that man? It's Aquaman. And he's got a wife named Mara and he's got a military and... Uh, he rules Atlantis as well, and he's just the coolest guy. He can do so much stuff. And they show him uh, beating up a terrorist group from Atlantis. I, I don't want to say that because I don't actually see them actually blow anything up, but they try. Uh, That's right. They're named the Deluge, which is actually, I think, a recurring theme in the first arc. Um, yeah. And they're going to blow up major cities on the land because that's just what you do if you live in Atlantis and you're evil, I guess. And Aquaman's like, nope, that's my home too. You can't do that. And so he starts beating the crap out of them. And the narrator still going on saying how, oh man, they hate that he was surface born. He's not their real king. And... Even the people who follow him are still kind of like, uh, he should really not be fighting for the surface. He's he's Atlantis first. 
but Mara is always like, ah, just listen to your king, you losers. Meanwhile, the narrator tells us how, oh, well, everyone on the surface thinks that Aquaman's a joke, which really is exactly what Jeff Johns' run got away from, but I guess we're back to it now. Well, well, we gotta do Aquaman number one all over again, right? Yeah, of course. Couldn't possibly just move forward. No, well, well, the whole rebirth thing is the whole rebirth idea was is basically let's redo, you know, greatest hits of every single character. True, man. Jeff Johns' run was one of the best Aquaman things for a while. And you know, even like aside from just qualitatively being good, right? So it was good. We all know that, but it's also the only thing that people know about Aquaman True. at this point. I would say. I mean. I certainly remember in the 90s with his hook hand and his long hair. Sure, but there's not like a story attached to that, right? Like, it's just a picture. Oh, uh, yeah, like, This is much. like the story beat that people remember. Like, that's why they brought the Death of Superman back. Mm-hmm. It's not because Death of Superman is like one of the greatest stories ever told. It's not. It's just that it's a story that everyone remembers. Yeah, it's definitely the most memorable. Yeah. So... The issue continues on, and even though Aquaman is viewed as goofy by quite a bit of the public, they still had Atlantis try to take over the surface a few story arcs ago, so people are also afraid of Aquaman, thinking he's a menace. But Aquaman ends up taking down the Deluge and stopping all their bombs before it's uh, ever actually going to detonate, and he just knocks out the guy and tells him, well, fine, you, you lost. I guess I'll put you in a prison now. And then that completely drops off, and we move over to a restaurant where Aquaman and his now, I guess, fiance after DC Universe Rebirth, his fiance Mara, are sitting and they're having a nice meal, but they're obviously concerned about how the fact that these terrorists are popping up and trying to attack the surface. So he instead begins asking, well, why now? Why is, what's, what's going on? What's changed? And they can't figure it out, but then they get into their relationship talk with, oh, well, I'm glad that you're with me, Mara, but you don't have to fight for the surface. I know it's not your home. It's like, oh, I'm doing it for you, and lovey-dovey, lovey-dovey, lovey-dovey. And finally, we see that the narrator who's been saying all these great things about Aquaman, all these wonderful things of how how he's a king and he's both beloved and hated and he's a man with admirable ambitions, it's actually Black Manta who believes that Aquaman is nothing but a murderer since he killed his father and now he's going to kill Aquaman in revenge. And that rolls That's into right. Aquaman number one. And will he succeed? Wow, only time will tell. Of course, he's going to kill Aquaman in issue number one, and the rest of the Aquaman titles just going to follow Mera. Of course, as I, it should. I don't, I don't even see how this is a cliffhanger. It's so. Anyway, <laughs> so Aquaman Rebirth. I, I, I enjoyed the art style. There was, it was very bright and colorful, which I think is necessary for this new Rebirth age. Where it's, well, it's, we're trying to get away from Grimdark, so they're trying to make things a bit more jumpy with it. Yeah, it works, I think. Uh, as for the writing, this was very much just an expository issue, just going over the history of Aquaman, how people view him, how his relationships are. So I can't really say too much in the vein of that. 
this but, wasn't the greatest. This wasn't the greatest issue. I yeah. would say. For, I remember reading this and thinking that this was probably the weakest of the rebirth issues. Yeah, it, it definitely it doesn't scream rebirth as much as it screams another beginning. It doesn't say, "Oh, we're 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 starting fresh and we're bringing back everything you love at the same time." It just seems like, "Okay, you remember everything that was going on in the Aquaman run? We're just kind of moving forward with that, where he's trying to meld together the surface and the Atlantean worlds." Which is a, it's an interesting storyline. I'm not saying it's not, but it's uh, it's not a fresh start. It's not a change in the status quo. It's exactly where things were headed. That's right, and I and, the, and I think the reason for that is that everybody liked the new Fifty Two Aquaman stuff. Yeah. So they could have just erased, it. just like they didn't erase any of the Batman stuff. Yeah. But they I erased mean, a lot of the Superman stuff. To be fair, Aquaman. Rebirth kind of got a, or Aquaman kind of got a bit weird at the uh, tail end of New oh, Fifty Two, but it still wasn't bad. Oh uh, well, yeah, uh, Colin Bunn's run I think was pretty bad, but nobody cares about that. Like nobody remembers that. So we're just talking about Jeff Johns' run. Oh okay, that one was good. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Parker's was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Jeff Parker's probably the guy who best got into Aquaman's actual head. Like, Jeff Johns' run was more epic, but Jeff Parker's run was more, like, uh, character-defining, I think. As Jeff Johns' runs always are. Yes, they tend to do that, except for Batman Earth 1, but, uh, you know. True. Alright, so, moving right along, we have Detective Comics, number 934. I'm gonna take this one, because... I'm actually... Okay, so I let, uh, I let Nacho here have first choice of what comics he wanted to... Uh, take charge on, and I'm actually surprised you didn't choose Detective Comics. Well, I don't want to be an asshole and just bitch <laughs> about everything, so of course I'm not going to choose a comic book, which I'm kind of lukewarm about. Oh, well, I'm, I'm very, very warm towards this comic, so... And I also, you know what, also, because I was taking Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. so I thought, you know, it's kind of a, a, a dick thing to not leave a uh, my comrade here, important comic book, right? Oh yeah, of course. You you get Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, action comics. I'll probably take Trinity when that pops up, but whatever. Of course I will. But hey, you'll get Justice League, right? Oh great! That's anyway, Detective Comics. <laughs> so the most important comic book of all. <laughs> yeah. So it opens up with uh, the character Azrael, uh, who is John Paul Valley from I think he made his first appearance in Batman and Robin Eternal. Um, John, well classically, well, yeah, classically a little bit before a little bit before Nightfall. Yeah. Sorry. So but in New Fifty Two standards, the assassin known as yeah. Azrael was made yeah, in right. the Batman and Robin Eternal. And he is being hunted down by a very dark cloaked bat figure, uh, near a cathedral because that's just where Azrael hangs out all the time, I guess. Uh, right. He is getting his, for lack of a better term, shit rocked by this bat, and it it's definitely, definitely Batman. Couldn't not be Batman, and who should appear but Batman to save him? That's right. So, oops, well, guess that wasn't. Well, he doesn't save him. He disappears. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really count as saving if you're comatose for a while afterwards. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> So uh, he has Alfred run a scan on all the stuff, and they managed to find a 
bat drone in the area who was watching Asriel. And uh, Batman asked Asriel, well, who did this to you? And he said, you did. Oh my god, shocking off. So then we cut over to Batwoman, who's... Which is really weird if you read the... I mean, later we'll get into it, but the, the enemy that did this to him actually doesn't look that much like Batman. Yeah, I mean, maybe the mask just kind of blurs his vision a bit. He's not able to see that much. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe all the smog in that church, uh, all the light just kind of... It's hard to see him. through the stained glass windows. That's right. <laughs> So, cut over to Batwoman, who's swinging through the city and talking to her dad. Her dad's telling her, oh, you, you, your mission, you gotta get back to that. You, you could be in charge of so much more. You could, like, save Gotham and the world and all that. But Kate just wants to do her thing, and she's not worried about that. So, she disconnects from her dad and returns to her apartment. And who should be waiting for her but Batman, who says, hey... You've got a bunch of drones following you, and there's a bunch of drones following everybody. So, or all of the vigilantes, I should say. So we've got to figure out what's going on with this, and I need your help because uh, you're kind of military, and these drones are, like, definitely military-grade tech. So uh, that's why I want you to help. But also because I'm going to be getting all these vigilantes that are in Gotham, and I'm going to be training them. And I need you to help me train them. That's right. And he also says, this technology is 10 years more advanced than military grade. So mm -hmm. I can't crack it, even though I can crack alien technology. And I do so repeatedly in my Justice League comic book. Wait a minute. 10 years advanced? Could this be from Dr. Manhattan that gave him the technology? What? I guess if Dr. Manhattan is involved, then no wonder Batman can't be shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Yeah. So Kate is like, "Hey, I, I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be doing this if I'm working under you. We've, we're gonna have to be partners." And so Batman's like, "Well, of course we'll be partners. After all." And he unmasks to reveal he's Bruce Wayne. We're cousins. Oh my God! It's such a reveal to Kate, to Batwoman, except she already knew. So, That's right. yeah. That's a good bit. Anyway. After that, we uh, we start cutting through all the new recruits. We see uh, Spoiler, a.k.a. Stephanie Brown, is beating up some gangbangers who are uh, trying to kill her. And who else should appear to help her out but uh, Red Robin, Tim Drake. And the That's two right. of them are in somewhat of a relationship, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's pretty overt. Yeah. It's yeah, boyfriend, not, girlfriend. not in this issue, but... Uh, Later on, it definitely gets more overt. So, yeah. the Batwoman and Batman show up and they're like, so, uh, hey, we got something going on. Cut over to another, uh, I guess an abandoned house that some people are being held hostage in. And Orphan, a.k.a. Cassandra Kane, drops in and just starts beating the ever-loving crap out of these guys to save the hostages and just before she goes a little bit too far it seems batman shows up and says hey that's enough we got work to do and then that's pretty much all the vigilantes that don't really have their own book so who could be the last person that they want to bring in on the team is it harper Rowe? 
I thought she was at college. She doesn't count. What about Duke Thomas? Duke, <laughs> Duke Thomas has his own book. It's called Batman. <laughs> okay. What about Batwing? Is he still around? He's still alive, I think. Yeah, I don't know. And then Batgirl's off in China. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, the team then stops at a theater, which is showing a movie that is starring a Mr. Basil Carlo. And uh, turns out Clayface is the last member they want to pick up. And he's just sitting there watching his movie. He doesn't want to hurt anybody, but he's a monster-looking guy. So what is he supposed to do? So uh, Batman gives him the option. He says, hey, look, you work for me. We'll help you train your powers and all that. And you, you can actually be a good member of society. And Clayface is like, yeah, sure. Why not? I got nothing else going on. So then the entire team meets up on a rooftop and they say, all right. Listen up, maggots, this is boot camp. I'm going to be training you all, and I'm going to be tough on you. So let's go. And they all fly off into the distance as a bat drone is watching them. And it's revealed that behind the bat drone is a massive army of armed batmen. That's dun, right. Who look nothing like Batman, Yeah, it, I've, I've heard the comparison that it's the uh, outfit from the Arkham Knight That's right. video game. But uh, I haven't played that. But Astral, Astral is colorblind, so. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Astro has like a fifteen twenty vision. So. It's interesting that they sh- every time after this they show the Batman in an army sort of way, like they're always in a troop. But yeah. during that first battle, it was just one guy who was going after him. Well, it's a stormtrooper effect, right? Yeah. Like when they saw when they saw when they first appeared, like they were all formidable and they all killed like a bunch of soldiers. But then when they're together. They're they really, they can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Nah, I guess you're right. So yeah, this, okay. all right, so you say you're lukewarm to this. Yeah. I guess, let me go first and just say, let me just gush over this. This issue in particular, not that much. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, this is expository. This is just getting the status quo set up. So I'm not huge on, you know, anything in particular, but I really like where this story arc goes. So I'll, of course, say pick this up because it's, you know, it's leading into a great story arc that is actually some, it seems to be somewhat necessary to get the, the rebirth storyline, the universe storyline. This is actually going to be somewhat necessary to pick up. Oh, that's true. It is, I think, the the one that's most closely tied into it. Yeah, it's this or uh, Action Comics also has a little bit of a thing. That and, I think, Titans is also Action Comics, Action Comics doesn't really give you anything. Like, this gives you part of the plan right okay tell me why you're lukewarm about this about this issue or about the series uh whichever one you can separate out if you can say this issue without talking about the series but if you need to talk about the series i mean this issue was pretty good uh it was pretty good actually i did like this issue i think the art is great in roars like mm-hmm. in almost every part of this issue uh i didn't like that Suddenly, like, ten years of military-grade technology are too much for Batman, or... That spoiler can apparently block Red Robin from the computer, but I guess... I guess you kind of have to work to balance the characters out. Yeah, I was gonna say, they they make it a point throughout this arc that Tim Drake is, like, essentially Jesus at the keyboard. He can just do whatever. But apparently he's not here, so... Yeah, so... But no, I, I see what you mean. In that regard, the tech justice, 
I mean, it doesn't play a huge role. It's definitely more about the Batman army than it is the tech. No, yeah, and for sure. And that's why I said, like, this issue is, is pretty good in general. I don't really have, like, any strong complaints. Right. Uh, with regards to this issue. Because this issue is, like, uh, it's kind of just getting the band together. Mm-hmm. And and everybody kind of gets their, their, their mini moment. Except in Tim Drake, who will get, like, an entire arc after this. I was going to say, he doesn't get his mini moment here, but he gets, yeah, his, that's, that's he gets his moment. He gets all the moments <laughs> later. All of the moments later. Uh, I like Clayface here. Oh, yeah. That was the best part. I like Orphan. I really like how she was just beating the crap out of everybody. Mm-hmm. See, uh, I, think, I, I feel like Orphan isn't... Uh, because she doesn't really talk at all, She's very underrepresented whenever she's used. Right. So she's I, like I like, yeah, I like I like that she's here, but I wish that they would bring her slightly more to the forefront. I like how how immediately Batwoman is like, "There's something that you're not telling me." Oh that yeah, you're hiding. Like so I didn't even. That, you get the sense that Batman uh, knows something that he's not telling everybody, which is I think the best way to start a story because Batman should always know more than the reader I think in my mind at least right so I mean that's the whole thing with it being detective comics there's supposed to be a mystery that the detective is solving that's right and I like the uh, yeah just the whole thing really yeah here. no it's a good issue I'm, I'm curious to see where your thoughts go as we continue on yep Alright, so uh, next up is my last comic I'm going to be covering The Flash Rebirth and who boy it's equal parts expository and brand new story so uh if 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 you for some reason skipped over our dc universe rebirth number one section at the beginning of this episode go back and listen to that because this picks up immediately afterwards from that issue or well this is kind of a recap of that so yeah you might with a little bit with a little bit of extra detail yeah. So, it opens up with there being a uh, murder of a mother by a uh, supposed monster, according to her son. And, you know, it was probably the father who did it, the cops are saying, all that. Which is oddly reminiscent of Barry Allen's story of how his mother died to Eobard, Eob, yeah, Eobard Fawn. And, uh... Barry's like, hey guys, let's uh let's not jump to conclusions here. This is obviously a murder scene. We need to find who actually did it. And then Barry goes on his way and he's about to go get some dinner when we see a flash in his mind of Wally West calling out for Barry, and then a flash of a future character who has not been revealed as of yet, but breaking it, it's totally Godspeed. And then we see a flash of the reverse flash, Eobard Thawne, and Barry starts freaking out, but it, uh, it's all in his head. None of that stuff is actually happening, so we don't know what's going on with Barry right now. Then we get a recap of his origin, you know, struck by lightning, chemicals, blah, 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 and now he's the fastest man alive. And then he goes and talks to his dad and says, man, some some weird visions have been going on. I don't know what I should be doing. And his dad's like, so, I mean, okay, do you know anything about the Speed Force, like, at all? Have you been researching it? And he's like, no, nah, everyone's kind of put that on the off-limits section. 
He's like, okay, well, um, maybe you should, you know, ease up on the being a hero thing if you don't actually know where your powers come from. He's like, uh, all right, well, I'll give it some consideration. And then he proceeds to be even more of a hero than he usually is. He runs down highways, saving helicopters from twisters, giving pizza to little boys. It's overall a good time, even though he can't balance his social life in the process. Of course he can. Yeah. I mean, that's that's you can't have the Flash without him not being able to balance his life. You can't have a superhero without them not being able to balance their life. Yeah, I was trying to think of a counterexample, but now you're right. Um... But then we pick up right where uh, Wally appears to Barry in the DC Universe Rebirth issue. And he says his goodbyes, and it's still heartfelt. Not quite as much in this issue, but, you know. Uh, and then they go into a little bit more detail that um, the Speed Force was telling Barry... Like, the Speed Force is what told Barry who Wally was. It wasn't just the memories of Flashpoint. It was Speed Force who did it. Um, and now that he's back, they're totally going to be buddies again. And they got to go tell Iris, because Iris is going to be so happy that uh, this Wally's back, even though that Iris totally won't remember him at all. So, yeah. Anyway, Wally's like, all right, I need to figure out what's going on. I'm going to go try to find my old team, and I'm sure they'll remember me. That that won't end badly at all. So as he goes, he changes his costume from Kid Flash to New Flash, which is pretty much the, it's, it's the same as the normal Flash costume, except its head part is open up so you can see the hair, and it's uh, got... Instead of yellow, it's got white. So, uh, yeah, after that, we see that Flash, after he has this uh, moment of realization that of what Wally tells him, uh, he goes to the Batcave and tells Batman all about it, and they start analyzing the smiley face button, and they start considering all their options and everything, and finally Batman comes to the conclusion of, we know absolutely nothing. We have no idea what's going on. Let's keep this between you and me until we have some sort of idea. And Flash is like, all right, cool, sounds good. And then cut back to the scene of the crime of uh, the murder from the beginning. And a glowing figure shows up in a sort of speed force trail. Not sure who that is yet. But the cops are saying that uh, sometimes Barry Allen does make mistakes. Continued in Flash number one. So this definitely... It doesn't strike me as much as a Flash Rebirth as it does a DC Universe Rebirth number two, where it just continues the story onwards. It doesn't really continue the story, though. Like they, It's kind of like a DC Universe Rebirth 1.5. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tie-in issue, pretty much, to the yes. DC Universe Rebirth. Not that I, not that I dislike it, though, because, I mean, no, obviously... Obviously, the Flash is a very big part of, like, any time there's a universe-changing thing, the Flash is almost always around doing something. Yeah, there's some good bits. Yeah. yeah. Well, you get the the first usage of the the artificial, we need to keep this between us uh, trope here. Mm-hmm. So Batman and Barry, they decide to keep the fact that 10 years have been stolen between them, even though there's an entire Justice League that they could tell. Uh, Wally West... He decides to not 
uh, reignite everybody else's memories, even though he could at this point? Well, we're not aware of how he could have reignited memories until... That's true. That's that's more of a Titans thing, I guess. Yeah, which we'll get into next week. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in regards to the mystery, yeah, they decide to keep it between them for no reason, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, for this issue, like I said, it's definitely a continuation of DC Universe Rebirth. I kind of wish that it would have rolled more into whatever the first arc of The Flash is. Instead, it keeps it uh, pretty self-contained. Yeah, the, the Godspeed arc? Yeah. Have you read it? Yeah, I have. It's yeah, just trying to keep it vague for next week. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 I wish that it would have tied a little bit more in. The most that we get is that quick little vision of Godspeed in that one panel. And even then, uh, at the very end, that glowing figure that appears, I don't think that's Godspeed. Uh, let me, let me see the end. It's the very last page. They have, um, uh, just a glowing figure, and it doesn't, like, Godspeed's whole thing is, like, the white lighting and all that, and even then it doesn't look yeah. that much like him, so I feel like that might actually be Reverse Flash, because it's the yeah. same color scheme. It's a lot of stuff in this issue that I don't, that doesn't really get addressed, like, Barry having, uh, blackouts, right? That was yeah, happening. no, that wasn't covered either. I think they yeah. they may have covered it by just saying that oh you know speed force I ain't got to explain shit. Yeah, but yeah. So, so there there might have been some like editing stuff that went wrong yeah. with that first arc. I don't know, but it, it this issue the art style is definitely good. It's representative of what we're gonna get in the rest of the Flash comic. It's not just like a separate artist. It is, um, and I'll say this: it's not my favorite art. This art, so I'm not going to be as positive as I was in the rest of the Rebirth books. Yeah, no. That's, it's definitely more stylized and it, that's always a thing. It A lot of people when Flash got his redesign at the beginning of New 52, they were complaining of all the lines that are on the outfit and yeah. it wasn't just a straight red suit that it was. I personally didn't have a problem with that, but they've taken the number of lines per panel and just bumped it up to 11. Yeah. Well, in here, they try to kind of make it part of the lightning, right? Yeah. And it, it, it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't work in static. It doesn't work. Yeah. When you're so. just standing around. I don't know. It's 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 honestly up to preference. I don't mind it that much. It's not distracting, but it's... Yeah, enough. no, I don't, I don't hate this art. It's just not uh, something that I would consider to be, like, great. Like, the rest of the rebirth dishes, really. Right. Except for maybe Aquaman. Okay, <laughs> All right, and rounding out the show, we have the big old end of the Trinity, which you are going to cover. Oh, that's right. We have Wonder Woman. Yeah. And that's kind of easy to cover, really. So it starts with Wonder Woman beating up some punks. And uh, throughout the whole issue, she's kind of questioning herself about uh, who she is and what her legacy means. And, uh, but the first thing she does after beating up those punks is she goes back to her apartment and then she kind of takes a look at her, her God of War helmet and she breaks it and then she decides that if, if, you know, the helmet is breakable, then she's probably not the real God of War. She's probably being deceived. Shouldn't be able to break things that come from the gods. That's right. And so she uses the lasso of truth on herself and she finds out that she has indeed been deceived. And so she punches her her own mirror of reality, and we get like little straight out of, of Superboy, straight out of Superboy, Infinite Crisis. Yep. Uh, 
and then she picks up with her new outfit, like her new kind of movie Gagado outfit, mm-hmm. uh, and she decides to go to Olympus. And once she's there, well, the Olympus that she knows, which is apparently not a true Olympus, and once she's there, she gets attacked by Hephaestus uh, kind of statues, mm-hmm. and uh, she beats them all while saying uh, that whoever kind of mess with her should be afraid of her. Yeah, I will have the truth. Yeah, that's right. Here we get uh, so here we get some more subpar art, I think, at least in the beginning. Well, the the art shifts as soon as it she does. goes to Olympus. Olympus, and it's it's it, it's it's great in Olympus. Like I like all that part. Mm-hmm. The part before that, I really dislike, and maybe like what I'm thinking, it's kind of mean. But maybe they're trying to like throw shade at the new 52. I mean, like, cause, like, like, cause all the scenes where she's like in her new 52 uniform and doing like, and kind of like in that frame of mind. Right. Don't look well. So maybe they're trying to see, like, see how, how bad this looked or how bad this was. Mm-hmm. I mean, through the art. With but I don't think like they would hire somebody and tell them, hey, <laughs> do you, like, draw your super art so we can show how The thing with Wonder Woman is that it was one of the few New 52 series that got like zero people hating on it. It was pretty much beloved all around to the point where I'm pretty sure it's already being put into uh, omnibus format. Yeah, until it ended. Yeah. And then a lot of people started, uh, a lot of people came out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a lot of uh, old time Wonder Woman fans that didn't like it. Because right. it didn't kind of, it didn't tell like the Wonder Woman story that that usually gets sold. Yeah, see th- this story, you this is a good rebirth issue. This is what I think rebirth issue should have been about because it literally is going over. Well, what is the story of my creation? What is what is Wonder Woman and it's Wonder Woman's a weird uh, title in the fact that it's two uh, concurrent storylines are going to be going on at once, where you have revisiting her origins one week, and then uh, seeing her revisit her origins in the subsequent weeks. Yeah. So it's it's a strange title, but it's 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 trying to cover well who is Wonder Woman because if there's one thing that we've uh, seen Superman, his backstory is pretty much down. Batman, his backstory is pretty much down. Wonder Woman, something happened. Well, Wonder, well, Superman actually has had more retellings of his original story than Wonder Woman, I think. But it's always been very minor changes. Wonder Woman's had very yeah. massive differences. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, there's there's been pretty massive differences, like Superboy, the Legion of Superheroes. Oh well, yeah, but that's history and all that, yeah. Yeah, but. But with Wonder Woman, I think it's just that she just doesn't have enough stuff, of, like, of her own. Like, she doesn't have too serious, like, Superman. Yeah, she doesn't have an like identity. Superman, right, so Superman, he got, like, he gets, like, reboots, but because he has, like, two, two long-form running series, it kind of catches up to the point where there's enough material of that version of Superman to make somebody, like, like him. Whereas Wonder Woman, it's, like... She gets like a new origin story, and then the writer does like thirty issues, and then he leaves. 
Mm. 30 issues is like a lot. Like Greg Rucker in his first run, he didn't even do 30 issues. Yeah. You know. So you don't get a, you don't get enough time with her to, to kind of solidify that origin story. Yeah. That's what I think is the deal with her. It's just that every writer has their own ideas of what Wonder Woman should be. Some people have the idea that, you know, she's super strong Amazon lady who is able to beat down guys. Some of them, I mean, Greg Rucka's story had her uh, focusing more on the Greek mythology of it. And well, Greg Rucka's was mostly like uh, diplomacy. Diplomacy, really. Yeah. And kind of like a, his own essay. I, I feel like whenever Greg Rucka writes Wonder Woman, he's kind of writing more. He's, the thing that he's most interested in is his vision of Paradise Island. Mm-hmm. Of how paradise would be if there were only women. I would have liked like, to see. That's what I feel. I would have liked that's to see Greg Rucka on uh, Aquaman because his whole thing right now is diplomacy. With <laughs> yeah, I don't think Greg Rucka is all that interested in Aquaman. <laughs> but uh, you know, with Azarello, it was like a quest story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it changes from it changes from writer to writer. With Dennis O'Neill, it was like a and a spy thriller story. Right. You know. So. So. She's up for she's grabs, really. With Meredith Finch, it was a, a bad story. You know, <laughs> could be anything. The, uh, the only downside to the way that they're structuring the future of Wonder Woman comics is that it basically turns it into a monthly. In that if you yes. want your, if you want the continuation of the story, you have to wait a whole month until the next issue comes out. Which. Yeah. It isn't doing it any favors, but I am definitely interested to see how it's going to wrap up. Yeah, uh, although it, it allows for some art consistency, I think. Mm-hmm. And also for some choice. So if you don't like like year one, you can just read the current stuff. And if you don't like the current stuff, you can just read year one. Right. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, Wonder Woman Rebirth, good? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I would say at least this issue is kind of essential. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... It's strange in that it references so much of her previous history. I mean, the very first page is her saying that uh, the queen of the Amazons wanted a daughter, so the gods turned one out of clay. And it said, or maybe uh, the queen of the Amazons shacked up with Zeus and she had his child. Or maybe there was more than one child. Maybe there was a brother along with it. So it goes very deep into her history while at the same time making it very accessible to anybody who wants to just jump in. That's true. Although I think it's more for all Wonder Woman fans than it is for New 52 Wonder Woman fans. Yeah, probably. I mean, you can jump in, but this is definitely more geared towards, hey, do you like Wonder Woman? Here you go. That's right. That's right. All right. So, yeah. And with that, we wrap up the first two weeks plus the Rebirth one-shot. And uh, mm-hmm. next week, we will be covering all of the same titles again, except not their Rebirth one-shots. We'll be covering their number ones, along with Action Comics 958, Detective Comics 935, and the new title, Titans Rebirth number one. So is there any other things you want to talk about before we leave? Uh, not really, this week. All right. What about you? Uh, no, I got nothing. <laughs> this is... Okay. is uh, no, nothing that I want to talk about that won't be covered in a later episode because oh, okay. so, so much rebirth like, already done. Some rebirth stuff that you want to pimp out. Yeah. Anyway, thank you all for joining me and Mr. Papinacho here 
for the very first episode. <laughs> Anything you want to uh, say to the viewers? Uh, no, not particularly. Uh, uh, how are you doing, viewers? Reply in the comments. What's your favorite color? All Reply right. in the comments. That's right. What's your? Uh, do you like taking long walks on, be on the beach? <laughs> Please re reply in the comments. All right. And with that, uh, thank you all very much for watching. And tune in next week for the next episode of We Broke Recap. Yeah. See you later. Yep. See you later. Bye-bye. our message.